Dear God, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your presence with people around the world. Help us to be welcoming. And help, and help others to welcome us when we travel. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you after church. Once more, let us come before God in prayer. Let us pray. God of justice and mercy, by your Holy Spirit, inspire us through your word and shape our lives according to your will. We pray all of these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning is taken from the Old Testament, Jeremiah 1, verses 4 to 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Our second reading will be responsive, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows, for he knows how, how we are made. made. He, remembers he remembers that we are dust. The third reading is from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 to 18. 
Do I say this on human authority? Does not the law also say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Or does he not speak entirely for our sake? It was indeed written for our sake, for whoever plows should plow in hope, and whoever threshes should thresh in hope of a share in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we harvest material things? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we still more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who work in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is sacrificed on the altar? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing this so that they may be applied in my case. Indeed, I would rather die than that. No one will deprive me of my ground for boasting. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and a woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a wage, but if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my wage? Just this, that in my proclamation, I may make the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. And continuing to read from God's word as it is given to us in John chapter 7, verses 32 to 36. Let us listen once more for God's word to his people. Now the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering such things about Jesus. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent the temple police to arrest him. Jesus said to them, I will be with you a little while longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will search for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go? that we cannot find him. Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will search for me and you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At the heart of each of the Gospels, there is a question about identity. Who is Jesus? And is Jesus really the Messiah? And then there is some acknowledgement of Jesus' heavenly origin. 
Now, in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these are big stories, these stories about the identity of Jesus. The question of Jesus' identity is articulated in, the, in his teaching, and then we are given the story of Peter's denial, right? We all know Peter's denial. And Jesus' heavenly nature is revealed in the next story, which is the story of the transfiguration. The church has built a whole feast day on that story of transfiguration. But in John's gospel, this revelation takes on a different form. Whereas the synoptics have these two great stories, Peter's denial and the transfiguration, John conveys this most important crisis of the church with confusion, debate, and misunderstanding. Perhaps, then, it is no wonder that we don't spend much time in the usual diet of preaching on John chapter 7. It's a difficult chapter to unpack, as often things are in the Gospel of John. And yet, this chapter aptly portrays for us the questions that we all wrestle with as we seek to fully understand the person of Jesus Christ. Like the crowds here in the story, we struggle to figure out who Jesus is. We wonder if the divine could be contained in so human a form. Does Jesus not seem sometimes too much like us? Tired and in need of quiet time on the mountaintop or beside the lake? Exasperated at the denseness of his disciples when they just don't seem to get it. Sometimes Jesus really does seem like just another guy from a small little place in the middle of nowhere. And all of this is present in today's gospel reading and the verses that surround it. I didn't belabor you with copious verses from John chapter 7, 4 were enough, I thought. But the questions that swir are swirling in this crowd that is drawing everybody's attention to the crowd is, surely this guy can't be the Messiah, can he? I mean, look at him. He's from Galilee. And in response to all of these murmurings and all of the questioning, Jesus responds with, well, a very Johannine response for Jesus. Jesus says, I will be with you a little while longer, and then I am going to him who has sent me. You will search for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Those who have gathered around Jesus to listen to his teaching and the temple authorities who have been drawn in to that crowd by the controversy that is swirling around the edges about who Jesus is, all of them are left puzzling. Again, a very Johannine state. Where does Jesus think he's going? Where can this man go that we won't be able to find him? Is he going to preach to other lands, the dispersion, 
other lands, to the Greeks and other Gentile nations out there in the surrounding countryside. It's a very typical sort of misunderstanding that we find all too often in John's gospel. Just a little bit of irony and a little bit of truth masked in the confusion. Listen carefully to those words. Think about them. Surely the first followers of Jesus who read John's gospel in this passage that we've heard this morning from John chapter 7, well, they must have smiled just a little bit. Because these words, well, it's the funny thing about words in John's gospel. They don't quite get it. And they're absolutely right. Both at the same time. Imagine that. Surely then they must have smiled because the Jesus that all of these people who are in this crowd are wandering about so much, the Jesus that they define as being so small, just another little guy from Galilee, nothing more than the carpenter's son. They did indeed He did indeed go where they could not follow, didn't he? Jesus went to his death upon the cross to redeem the world from his sin. He descended to the dead and did battle there with death itself and rose again on the third day. Could any of the religious authorities of Jesus' day have done that? No. No one else could have done that. And through Christ's self-giving sacrifice, the gospel story was carried by Jesus' first disciples and then by the apostles like Paul and James and then by others out into the dispersion, those countries into which Jewish people had moved uh, that surrounded the promised land. And in that dispersion, it was indeed proclaimed to Greeks and to Romans and many other people right up until today. And today, as we shared with the young gentleman down front a few minutes ago, in every land and to every race, the gospel of Jesus Christ has been proclaimed. And where it has been proclaimed, it has taken root And it has flourished, sometimes in public, sometimes in secret. But for those who are open to hear the good news, they have received it with joy. The story goes that following the fall of the Iron Curtain back in 1989, When travelers from the West first began to explore the countries that used to be the former Soviet Union, a remarkable thing happened. Travelers would return and they would report that as they journeyed through the countries of the former Soviet bloc, people would come out to them and when they learned that they were from the West, they would ask them if they had a Bible. And so it's started this little underground 
operation of travelers moved going through in, into Eastern Bloc, former Eastern Bloc countries, and having a Bible or two in their pockets so that they could give them away to people who asked for the good news. And these people would share with these travelers as they asked them for their good news, for, for a, a co- if they had a po- copy of the Bible, their own ragged and dog-eared copies of Bibles that had been hidden from the authorities for decades. Sometimes it wasn't a whole Bible, it was just a portion. Maybe just a book. Because they had divided their Bible up. They had torn it apart so that they could share the good news with other people. In much the same way as the early church. In the early church, the letters of Paul written as they are to various communities. We we, we believe were often circulated amongst the churches. So that not only the Ephesians got to read the book from Ephesus, but from Ephesus it would go to Galatia and to Corinth and other churches along the road that others might hear the proclamation of God's word. In this and so many other circumstances, the words that Jesus speaks in this chapter this morning come true. That he would go where those that he would go where those who with closed hearts could not find him. He would go into the hearts of people everywhere if they were open to him. And as the crowd speculated He has indeed gone out into the diaspora and he has been proclaimed to many people, different races, nationalities, creeds. Sometimes I think we lose sight of the life-changing power of the gospel. But then we stumble across passages like John chapter 7 and we're kind of reminded of it if we Pause for just that extra moment and don't don't skip over it to get to the next good story. Sometimes we lose sight of the life-changing power of the gospel. Modern times, for most of us, we probably lament the state of the church and how few gather on a Sunday morning and how Peripheral the gospel seems to be in today's world. And yet, nothing could be further from the truth. The message of John chapter 7 is that with Jesus there are limitless possibilities. To draw on the image that we find in the reading that we uh, have today we we started with this affirmation with this statement that the that the uh, chief priests and the religious authorities had sent the temple police out to arrest Jesus because of all of this controversy all of this murmuring that was going on and yet at the end of 
John chapter 7? This is John chapter 8. Jesus wasn't apprehended at all. The temple police did not succeed. It is impossible to arrest and to stop the proclamation of the gospel. That is the word of hope to the church. That the word that we proclaim and celebrate as we gather each week as a company of the saints cannot be apprehended. It cannot be contained. Many have tried in the past. From the temple police in John chapter 7 to the Stasi and, and secret police forces of the Eastern Bloc throughout the uh, latter half of the 20th century, and in many other places around the world where Christians gather in secret to hear God's word, the word continues to give life and hope. And it does for us too. The word of God in Jesus Christ, the gospel story is filled with possibilities of new hope and lives changed through Christ's acceptance and Christ's teaching. It is for us to be bold and to move out into our world to proclaim the good news because that is the irony of the text this morning. Where is he going that we can't find him? Is he going out into the world where people have been dispersed, where people don't believe in anything or believe in things that are different than what we believe in? The answer in the text, of course, is yes. And the answer for us as the church is yes, too. To walk through the streets of our town and our country and to proclaim good news. To live lives that have been changed that others may see the hope of Christ in us. To be welcoming and inviting to show the biblical gift of hospitality as we shared with the young people this morning. Because... That is what Christ calls us to do. The church welcomes others because Christ welcomes us. When we hear those words that Jesus utters at the beginning, you don't know where I am going. Every time I hear those words throughout John's gospel, I am automatically transported to a text a few verses a few chapters later where Jesus says, "I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also." For those of us who open our hearts to the Lord, God offers us the opportunity for grace and peace. And that is something 
worth sharing. Thanks be to God. Amen.